What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 21. Today we have our one of our favorite people here. Uh, we call her Nana, but she goes by her name Pam. Nope, <laughs> just Nana. Just we, Nana. <laughs> just <laughs> who's Pam? <laughs> 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 we'll probably end up referring to her as Nana pretty much the entire podcast. Yeah, Nana, you want to kind of give us a... Uh, I don't know, maybe like a short testimony, like under, I don't know, a few minutes, kind of just who you are. People kind of know who you are. Who am I? Um, <laughs> I have been in Aspen 51 years. I am was born and raised Catholic and started coming to this church, which was then First Baptist, um, 48 years ago, and left the Catholic Church in 1989 when I began to know the truth of the Bible and the questions that God wanted me to know that were really truly answered. So mm-hmm. came here uh, loved by everybody and started loving on everybody. And here I am full of love and ready to share that love with all of you. Yeah. Just to give you like a little bit of insight on how like Nana's personality is. I think my mom puts it really well. She says that hanging out with Nana is probably the closest thing you'll ever get to hanging out with Jesus. And I totally agree. Seriously? Yep. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think we should go around and say uh, kind of how all we met Nana, our first impression. Just a small, yeah, like, 30-second snippet. I, I guess I'll go first, because um, it kind of started with me, Lewis, and Robbie, I think. Um, uh, Pam's granddaughter was over for VBS, like, two or three, four, maybe even four years ago I now. I think it was four. It's crazy. Um, but, yeah, she came over to VBS. We went to Nana's house. And then, I guess, Nana just kind of took me and Robbie under her wing and then um, after that, we were like, let's start a Bible study. And then we all just went to the Bible study. And I mean, it's a lot longer than that. But what, what drew her to? Because like usually people wouldn't think that teenagers like you would go hang out with an older person, talk about the Bible. So what hey, was... Hey, what, hey, hey. <laughs> no, that's so true. Because Nana, Nana is young at heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a child, yes. Exactly. So and she's also just really nice and awesome. All right, Luke, how did you meet Nana? Um, first time I was, was I was, yeah, before I was born or I was a baby. So I, I don't remember any of this, but apparently I was in Hawaii with them, you know, hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my, my parents have always known her, so she's always been part partially in my life, but then we've drawn closer again once they started hanging out with her and then I would go back over to their, her place too. And we do Bible studies you did and marriage dinner. counseling with our parents, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. Well, I have kind of a little bit of a different story. <laughs> uh, I did not know Nana until about a year and a half ago. I don't know, maybe even a year ago. Yeah, it's, it's been less than a year, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, I met Nana, and we went over to her house. They, Jonah, Louis, Robbie, Matthew, it was like he'd already met Nana, I think, once before, but he actually hadn't known Nana too well. But um, we all ended up going over, and I, I'll never forget the first time that I met Nana because she's the only person ever in my entire life who, in which I, the, the moment I met them, they gave me, like, a nice, warm, passionate hug. <laughs> like, she gave me a nice embrace and said, <clears throat> we're so happy that you're here. Nana hugs are, sorry to interrupt, <laughs> Nana hugs are top ten things in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's that was my first impression of Nana, and then we've been going back ever since, and it's been great. Well, that's awesome. This was supposed to be um, a blessing to everybody else, but you've just all messed my socks. <laughs> <laughs> if I can talk through these joy, joyous tears. <laughs> okay, we take a deep breath. But today's topic um, is, well, a few things, but I think we're going to talk mostly about 
I guess, love kind of. And this, the cool thing with the Bible is everything kind of incorporates together. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what topic we choose, but we can pretty much incorporate everything we have here. All the questions, they all relate back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that's the cool thing about this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Nana wanted to start us off with uh, some sort of thought process or something. You want to go ahead and explain that? Well, I came in here with tons of love. And the main reason for that love is the love of the Lord in our hearts. And they had asked me to maybe talk about godly living. And I had to really think about that and pray about it all week. So what I would like everybody to do right now, and I know that this will be played wherever to whomever, but to just close your eyes for a minute and to ask yourself, what's the most important thing in your life right now or who? Just think about that just for a brief moment. Okay, that's probably long enough, and you can do more of that later if you want. But basically, uh, for me, for these boys, I think, I hope, (laughs) God is number one. He's the main thing. So when they ask to talk about godly living, if you think about the thing you just had most in your mind, what would it look like to follow that God? Because those things can often become a God. So if you think about it being fitness, then you'd work out a whole bunch. If it's about drugs, you're going to go take drugs. If it's girls, you're going to go girl chasing, boys, boy chasing. But for you to look at that and say, is God always first in my life? And guess what? You're first in his life. So that's the main thing for this is that um, he knew you before you were formed in your mother's wombs. He's loved you with an everlasting love. There's so many scriptures about that. But basically his love for us was so big that he gave his son to die for us. And I found new verses this week that really substantiated that. So that's sort of where I wanted to say, if we're going to live a godly life, you got to know what God you're serving. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I just want to encourage you to get to know God better through his word more and more and more because it's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing I've struggled with too is like, how do I know what I'm following? And it's, you always want it to be God in your heart and you're like, that's what it should be. But a lot of times it isn't. And like a good mm-hmm. way to kind of find what is kind of the, biggest thing in your life slash could be a God is like how much, what, what's your time spent on, right? Because time is kind of the currency we have besides money that you can't get back. So time is how you kind of find what you invest your your effort in. I think in the Bible somewhere it says where your treasures are, so where your heart be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if if you're constantly working, you're, you're living for the world, you want money. I mean, there's all, there's so many different variations and paths you can go. But I think you really know if you're living, and that doesn't mean you have to be a missionary and mm-hmm. read the Bible 24-7. Yeah. It means that's kind of what we're going to be talking about is leading a godly life. What does that look like, having God being your number one and incorporating him in all those other things so he is number one, I think. So a good way of putting it is are you listening and praying and reading in your free time or are you freeing your time to read and pray? Mm-hmm. Are you taking things out of your day in order to devote it to God and not just going, well, I'm busy right now. I better not do that because I have something else to do. Yeah. So uh, is there any, any other thing you want to say on on kind of that thought process of who is your God or should we kind of go no, on No, we to can the go next? on. But one thing is just that I would encourage everybody to do is start your day with him. Mm-hmm. And the day starts at night, according to the Hebrew calendars. It starts at night. Some people aren't good in the morning. You don't have time. You hit the floor running and you get going. But if you do that at night before you go to sleep, I believe scripture says that our bodies sleep. God gives our bodies rest, but our spirits can worship him all night long. Your dreams will be better. There won't be those nightmares, whatever. You've got your heart in the right place. And he can teach you during the night watch. That's what Psalms 
tell us. So. I do actually have two testimonies on that. Like, yeah, every night my dad's kind of made it a routine for, I think me and Jonah, every single night he'll come into a room and pray with us. Not every, but like it's made us a routine to do that for ourselves too, even if he's not home or something. And so you, you pray and I have never, I like, I rarely have a day where I don't sleep like super well. I always have great sleep and people are always like, Oh, I didn't sleep well tonight. Like, I don't understand what that's like unless I'm like super sick or something. So that's kind of been kind of a testament to that. And then also I've made it a habit because I think it's really about habits too. And not just what's convenient because you can't like, it's not convenient to go work out. You have to make it a habit and know why it's good for you. A habit is something that is forced and then formed. Yeah. And so when you form that habit, it, it, even if it's a healthy one, um, it's not going to be something that's easy to do over time. Now, unhealthy habits, they're easier to Yeah, because they, yeah, please the flesh or whatever. But anyways, so I made it a habit to read just one chapter of the Bible. It doesn't matter where it is. I'll just open the Bible app. You know, I'm still half asleep. Pick whatever and just read that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're super long. I'm like, oh, I don't want to finish it. <laughs> and then sometimes they're super short. I'm like, oh yeah, that was, that was a fast one. But just starting that out every day and praying too before it, just... Yeah, starting like that's a a great tip to just start your day off with with the right thing. So. I used to have um, a lot of weird dreams when I was younger, not like nightmares, but they were just weird, and I was like bothered by them. And then I just every night I would just say the same thing. I just like let me have a good sleep, let me fall asleep quickly, <laughs> and um, let me not have any bad dreams. And since then, I haven't really had anything other than when I either forget to pray or I just don't do it. Yeah, I remember Matthew specifically telling me that he, every single night, goes and he prays for good dreams and that he would write them down after they happened and all that. Um, And that he says that it's been a really long time since he's had a bad dream. Mm -hmm. I think that segues perfectly. We're going to go back to the godly life topic and everything, but the verse study for for this episode, Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. So, yeah, the reason I chose this one is because Nana tells me this one all the time. She <laughs> loves this verse. See, I thought that was my first, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I chose this one specifically because I know how much you love it. Do you want to maybe talk about why you love it so much and what it kind of means to you? Sure. Well, first of all, when God showed me that verse, um, I said, what name, God? You have a whole bunch of them, which he does, <laughs> and the names are all his characters. So I encourage you to go look up those names and the characteristics. But the righteous, we can only be righteous by his blood. It's not because we're being good boys and girls, not because we're trying to live a godly life. It's not by works, but by faith. Yeah, Yeah, because he died for us and we said yes to that gift. Then we're righteous. So we have the authority, the inheritance to run to one of those names and say, hey, I really need you. Mm-hmm. Steve's sermon this morning was tied in with that because it's like, do you have everything you need just because you have money? But when you need something, whether it's provision, which is Jehovah Jireh, if you need healing, Jehovah Rapha, um, you run to that. And it says we have not because we ask not. So we go to his name and say, you know what I need right now. I'm coming to you and I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sermon this morning was interesting. Um what he said is basically people replace things in their life with God because they feel as if they don't need God because of like technology and medical things that may have been implemented in their life. And he says a lot of the time in Western culture, like what we have, um, that's why pe- a lot of people turn away from God. But you'll go to third world countries and see spiritual miracles all day long, mm-hmm. healings and things like that, and it'll be something that just blows you away. Because awesome. it's all they have and through having nothing they have gained everything. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I guess we should just kind of hop into what it means to 
live a godly life if you guys want, if that sounds good. Yeah, sure. Or if Pam has anything she wants to add before we kind of go into that. Well, one thing that's been on my heart that I just want to remind us all is that um, we really can't understand the word without the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So basically when Jesus was going to the cross, he said, hey, it's okay, don't fret, I'm leaving and if I don't leave, I can't leave you this comforter, this Holy Spirit, who's going to teach you everything you need to know and remind you of everything that I taught you. So when we're doubting whether God exists, this God who is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, if we're confused when we're studying the Word or when we're fighting a battle, to call on the Holy Spirit and say, hey, oops, I need you because I can't do this without you, and that things will become more clear when we mm -hmm. do that. So That's awesome. Yeah, and I found more... The more you read the Bible, the more everything makes sense. Obviously, it's like if you've already seen the movie, you start understanding these smaller things. So just read the whole thing. And the first time you're going to read it through, not everything's going to make sense. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anything will, like, there's still so many things I don't understand and that I don't think I will understand well, of course. in heaven. But that's what I was doing this morning. I was reading through Hebrews 4. And, I mean, you have to read a lot of the context for it. Sometimes I'll read, like, 10 verses and then I'll uh, I'll stop reading. So I guess I picked it up with the beginning of Hebrews 4 and I was confused because some things you need context for. But yeah, like you said, it was my first time reading through Hebrews because I'm a newer Christian and um, I, I didn't really understand it all too much. But at the same time, uh, I was asking for help with it and trying to dissect it with Matthew and Aiden this morning. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. That's so impressive, you, by the way. <laughs> if you're a really new Christian, too, and you don't know, like, where to start or how to read it, um, you can you can start with, like, first, like, Bible stories or just something, like, a little lighter. That's how I learned mm -hmm. in Sunday school. Mm -hmm. I just kind of learned, like, all the stories first, and then once you know the stories and the context behind everything, and then you read the entire Bible, then it makes a lot more sense. And history as well, just so you know how it kind of was back then. You kind of understand some of the references that... Jesus talks about in parables or like just the scene they were in helps oh, yeah. you a lot to envision that. A lot of the times stories help you kind of understand what Jesus did and then why the things that happened happened. Mm -hmm. And then you understand why we need to be saved. Pam, do you have a favorite Bible story or? Oh gosh, so many of them. But what I was going to say was for a lot of us, we had to start with the New Testament because the Old Testament for a lot of people was way too hard. Yeah. And they'd read it and go, oh, what kind of God is that? And why would he do that? Mm -hmm. But once you know him, really come to know him, and then you read it and you see the context and the reminders, then you know um, it's still not really easy. But reading it and going, oh, and it's happening again. Mm -hmm. It's repeating itself. So as you look at that, but um, favorite story, probably Jonah. Jonah? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's no, cool. I, th I think that's calls all of our faith to a, a new place. So yeah, that's awesome. And I do love Esther, but oh, your yeah. favorite story is not I'm Wolfgang. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Okay, well, so let's hop into the, the main topic for today. Uh, it's titled "God's Leading in Living a Godly Life." So I think first I want to just um, when we we brought the stock up to Nana. She, I guess she kind of reworded it, which is, which I love is God's leading, not us living a godly life, but God leading us in that life because we don't fully understand it, I feel like. So should we start out with what? Because I think the first thing I wanted to answer was what's the point of leading a godly life, right? Because so many people are like, yes, I've been forgiven. Yes, I know who Jesus is. I know it's not done by works. I know it's by his grace. What's the point of me even trying to be a good person? Why can't I just do whatever I want? And then at the end of my life, I'll be like, oh, Jesus, take me home. Mm -hmm. Why can't I just like live the life I want on earth? And that's, that's fine. And 
yes, God's forgiveness will cover all those things. Um, he's the ultimate judge, so he's going to decide that. But I just kind of want to break down why we live, why we try and choose to live a godly life. So I don't know if anyone wants to go first on this because I have a few things written down here that I kind of want to talk about on like why I kind of pursue that life. Um, but if anyone else wants to go first. I can go first on this one. The reason why I personally want to kind of show people that I live, or that's the thing. I want to show people that I live a godly life because if I don't, then I might be considered a hypocrite in the sense that if you aren't doing what God tells you to and you want to tell other people about God and mm. say you should listen to him and you're not doing it yourself, you're not going to be seen as credible. You're not going to be seen as someone who's reliable in Christ, someone that you can lean on, especially if mm. you have questions, if you have concerns. You would never go to somebody who's cheating on their wife for relationship advice, <laughs> you wouldn't go to someone who's has a weak faith for Christian questions. Mm -hmm. I awesome. totally agree with Wolfgang on this 100%. Um, I hate hypocrites. Um, I'm one myself a lot of the time, <laughs> but I, I, I can't, I can't stand hypocrisy. I think it's so annoying. And yeah, when you really bury down to it, if you say you believe something, but you don't act on that belief, it makes you, it makes people question if you actually believe that. Right. So when I look at that, like that's something I wrote down too, is you want to be a good example. Um, you want to be a witness to what God is and his love and his grace. And I, I asked myself, like I struggled a little bit while ago, like knowing how would, I guess it be, like brings back like, the whole question, like what would Jesus do is kind of like the whole embracing thing mm -hmm. of that. And then it leads me back to the fruits of the spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, all that. If you can tr be all those things, like, um, that's really what Jesus was in like, I guess, simplified form is loving, peace, patient, the all human those things. embodiment of all those things. In a yeah. perfect sense without any flaws. Yeah. And we can't, unfortunately, accomplish that. But, but we can try as hard we as we can. We can try to be an example so people see that we live differently. And even though it may not be fun to live that way in certain scenarios because we can't maybe have some worldly... Um, Short-term, I guess... Pleasures. Pleasures or happiness in the long run and people will see that like you're, you're still happier and the real joy comes from God. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have still more, but if anyone else wants to go first or some, have something Nana, to say do you have anything to say on this? Well, I think in looking at that, when you think about, um, just what you're saying, when you look at a person, how they are, mm -hmm. do you want to be like that? And I think ultimately for us to remember that this is about him. So when you make those choices, you're not just giving an example of who you are living for him, but an example of him. So you're, yeah, because of him. Yeah, yeah because yeah. of him. So should I choose? And I mean, and we all do it on a daily basis. A car drives by you and they're doing something you don't want them to and you flip them off or you <laughs> cuss at them or your wife or husband or girlfriend or boyfriend says something and you're just like, oh, that's stupid. Well, and the crazy thing is too, even if you think those things, he you knows. still committed them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He already knows. So I think in terms of us in a constant moment to moment, first of all, knowing him and loving him. I wrote a book. It'll, you'll all read it someday. It's called Do This and Live. It's just a plagiarism of the Bible. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all those things. What do we do? What do we not do? But do this and live. To really live means to love God first and to love others as you love yourself. So you have to love yourself. Can you love yourself if you're cheating, lying, doing those things, going, well, I'm really great. I'm a great liar. Or I'm, I'm looking more like the Lord every day. Mm -hmm. I want to love more like that. So That's been a huge thing for me over the past year is just pretty much everything boils down to loving God and loving others. I, I talk about this all the time, but really if you do those two <laughs> things, you're... You're set in a way. Everything else falls under those two. Definitely. 
Yeah, and I brought this things. up in an earlier podcast kind of a long time ago, but it doesn't mean that once you devote to this kind of life, that doesn't mean the fun goes away. Mm-hmm. You can still have fun. You can still live a great life. I look at Pam. She's loving life and for like forever now. I like Kyle as well, uh, how Kyle lives. And um, yeah, it's you don't turn into some people that or a person that no one likes. Mm-hmm. Um, get out of my lawn, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> um, but yeah, so kind of break and keep going on what Jonah's talking is like, if you fully, if you try to live a godly life, it gives you a clear conscience as well. And like, just knowing you, you're trying to do the right thing at least. And you know what the truth is. That's just so freeing by itself because once you know what the truth is, it's just like, if you didn't know what was going to happen to you when you die, that's just a terrifying thought. And if you don't know who created you, I mean, all those things are just terrifying. So First of all, knowing God is one thing, and then just living in that belief that you know He, he is real is just freeing. Um, God also says, like, and so okay, so this is John fourteen twenty one. Whoever has whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So if you if you pursue a godly life, I hear this question all the time, like, why can't I hear God? Why doesn't He speak to me? I think, I think we have to take that first step of faith in a way. To almost be like, God, I believe you're real. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but like you take that step of faith and trust in God, and you you pursue Him, and He will talk to you through that. Because if you if you try if you don't even try to pursue a relationship, that's not going to even happen. I think there's a scripture that backs that up really well. In the end of the re- Revelation, He's knocking on the door, but you have to open it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. And one thing to go back to what you said about the uh, fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. The one that we sometimes don't really think about is um, self-control. Yeah. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So if you're really living in the Lord, and I believe when you accept Christ, you get Holy Spirit, but that filling comes from what you're talking about, pressing in, digging into the Word, and the, and asking the Spirit to teach you. But that self-control, and we've talked about this on our Friday night meetings, that's what we need Holy Spirit. You're tempted, you're in a situation where you're about to fall, and it says He gives us a way out. But you may not be able to go take that way out. Shy of going, Holy Spirit, I need you. And he's going to shove you out the door. Mm. I mean, that's where we have to remember that self-control is part of that being with the Spirit. That's awesome. And then, yeah, going off of that again is like, it's peace that surpasses all understanding. So like, even if we can't understand it fully, it just gives you that peace. Because like, I think we all live pretty good lives. We have we have great families. Um, for the most part, they, they're all flawed in ways. But we have a family that cares and loves about us. We have plenty of money to, you know, make ourselves comfortable and sustain us. We have, we have friends, we have a beautiful place to live in. We have fun hobbies, but there's so many people I feel like that do have those things, but they're still not happy. And so what I found is like when I'm sitting in my car and I just feel that joy, like listening to music or something, I know that's from, from Jesus and from God, just that, that joy, like it feels like you're at the joy and you can't, there's nothing higher than that joy in a way. And that's just like, you know, that the Holy Spirit's in you, and that even if everything was taken away from you, you still could have that joy. Living an example, uh, living in Aspen is the perfect example of that. You will see people with, you know, the quote unquote perfect lifestyle that, you know, like as a little kid, you dreamed of having. You have the big house, you have the Lamborghini, you have the 
model wife you have the kids and everything but they're still not happy and i think that's because they take their happiness from their money all their lives they've been taught money will make me happy this will make me happy that will make me happy and they and they don't do that and then they get snappy with people and they just don't have that joy in their life ever because all they think about is making money and maybe the things they had to do to get that money uh, the people they had to push down the people they had to step on yeah i mean second peter says that People are slaves to whatever they uh, they allow master them. And so, so for a lot of people in this world, that's money. If you let money control a lot of your decisions and you let money control a lot of what you do with your life, it's going to be something that is able to just crush you. And that's the thing is that we talked to Chris Henderson about this where he said a lot of things like sex, of course, within God's permission, as well as... Um, money and drugs and or sorry alcohol all of these things aren't necessarily considered bad in the bible however it only turns bad when you try to replace god using these things mm-hmm. and so that's what that was kind of a big thing that impacted me yeah um and this all boils back down to like who is your god right mm-hmm. who do you follow i yeah i agree with wolfgang but like i mean even jesus made wine that didn't mean he like went out and no, got, of course. you know, crap faced every Friday night with the <laughs> disciples. Like, you know, but like he still enjoyed it and it, everything in moderation. And then once, and that moderation like falls under Jesus. I mean, how ironic would it be if the blood of Christ was a sin to drink? Mm. <laughs> and it was. It was? Uh-huh. What? That's what, why the what Catholic Church that? changed, well, the Catholic Church changed that. Oh, they really? said it wasn't, the. it wasn't, um, Let's see, anything that was matter was bad. So a book, bread, whatever. So the Catholic Church changed it to, to what was called transubstantiation. Oh, so it changed in. Where they it, said, it like, it changed, actually. Yeah, okay. it changed into the body and blood, so it wasn't that. Wait, so they still believe that, or they don't believe that anymore? Um, I, you know, I don't know, because I <laughs> haven't checked it out. But I think that, you know, in light of that, that in my eyes, what, when I tried to clarify it in my mind, I thought, why would you do that? Because it would be like re-crucifying him every time. Mm-hmm. And that's really mm-hmm. why I got kicked out of the Catholic Church. I asked the archbishop when um, the guy died who created that. Um, when who died? Jesus? To, no, the guy who created that, that heresy. The transubstantiation. I transubstantiation. I forgot his name. It's a heresy. And I said, well, when he died, why didn't you go back to the truth of just what the Bible said? And he looked at John and he said, if you two can't get this straight, she'll no longer be a Catholic. So I'm no longer a Catholic. <laughs> but those were big things to me because when you read the Bible and you do ask Holy Spirit to explain it and, and there's questions in that. But in those days, for those people, if they did drink blood, it was a sin. It was horrible. So mm-hmm. how then when the Christians made this the body and blood, if those people even touched it, they were in worse shape. So there's a big story behind all that. So Yeah, I think that brings up a quick little good subject on like what is what is it when we take the bread and the the wine or grape juice. It's just a reminder for me, at least, on what Jesus did for us, and just constantly reminding ourselves on what He gave up and His sacrifice and mm-hmm. His love for us. So, just, if anyone was confused on that, I'm just thanking Him for that. Yeah, yeah. thank you. All right. So before you wrap up the to- topic on like a godly lifestyle and like having living in God's, I guess, will for our lives and how we should live is. And like we talked about money and all these things, these worldly things and something I watched, it was a TikTok video and the guy was talking about how everything on this earth is just a rental. Like if you just can get it, that your mindset to like understand that everything you have now is just a rental. That's all a your cool things, it. it's just, it's just temporary. It doesn't matter. And cause like when you, if you, I think if you're living a godly lifestyle, it all boils back down to loving God and loving others. And just like the only thing that matters is knowing 
knowing God and then also sharing God's love and grace to everyone yeah, so else around you. <clears throat> about it being the rentals thing, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because I, I'm, I run the Instagram page for us here. Um, and I do the little like things that have a couple of words oh, about God. It, yeah, yeah the cool. text on it. And so I had one where I was trying to like put into words, like everything you have right now and everything that you're working for is temporary. Yeah. This is all going to go away in a second. And right now, it's a snap in forever time. Mm-hmm. So you got to understand that it's not as important as what is to come. I saw a video, a sermon, where this guy, he had like a 20-foot rope, and he had painted about an inch of it red. And he goes, you see this red? This is your life. Yeah. This is how much. And you're worried about everything right in this red little section here. You got to understand that once that section ends, you got the entire white line to go. And you want eternity to be right and something that is limited and not going to go on forever, such as your life, to put it in the backseat. You don't need to worry about it as much. Our lives really are um, very, very short, and how quickly they can end in this human earthly realm. And you don't know. You don't know when it's going to end either. You don't know. You have no idea. Yeah. What I was going to say is like living a godly life is living for the eternal and not for this temporary earth. It's like you you want to live for the eternity, not for what that little red piece on the Mm -hmm. on the rope. That's not what I was going to say. And what I was going to say when I was going (laughs) to (laughs) finish. Yeah. uh, When you wake up in the morning and. as Nana does, I think Nana does it best, but just love everybody and everything, and then you'll be set in life. Yeah. Because if you're grumpy all day, and you're like, oh, I go to work again, this sucks, which I do. Um, <laughs> I don't like working, but, well, gather my thoughts here. Um, yeah. Uh, love everything, and if well, you don't go love around, everything. Don't, well, don't love everything, but don't love everything that should be loved. Mm-hmm. Which is, God says to love. When our grand granddaughters were little, we taught them to say, good morning, God, good morning, Jesus, good morning, Holy Spirit, I love you. Nice. And I think still to this day, even though they're all teenagers, that they, w- once in a while, I'll say, do you still say good morning to God? And they're like, yeah. And it sounds very childlike, but that's what God wants to start your day. And I mean, I just picture him looking at us and saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. You are my precious one. You're my chosen one. And can you imagine a God like that, especially looking at you and going, like you're the only one. I love you. That's I awesome. absolutely love you. And that's why I know that for me, that's what he has me doing for you. That's why you see me the way you see me. Here's what I was going to say. I've gathered my <laughs> thoughts. I've uh, rebooted myself. Um, if you go around grumpy every day, looking at everything through a negative mindset, kicking buckets, you know, whatnot, <laughs> and it can end very, very quickly, and you don't want to end it on a like bad note. So don't don't be driving around, you know, flipping people off, like Nana said, on the highway. You know, maybe you're just like, hey, he has to get to work. It's fine. You can cut me off. But, yeah. <laughs> and well, then forgive them, bless them, and pray for them. That's another thing, too, that I think is a big misconception is when people say, Jesus said to love everybody, you should just love everybody. That doesn't mean you accept them for what they're doing. Love is being kind to them, showing the fruits of the Spirit towards them, love, peace, patience, kindness, all those things. But it doesn't mean you have to accept their sin. Right. So that's a big thing people don't understand. It's like, oh, they're... I have to be careful yeah, what I say Subtle roast there, Luke. 
Um, <laughs> well, and I think when you do that, it says heap coals of love on your enemy's head. Yeah. Those who are doing those things really are sort of our enemies, and we're seeing it so much in the world right now. So how do we heap coals of love on them? We can't go around, like you said, being grumpy and kicking cans and doing whatever, but to look at them and, and to know that their pain right then comes from what's they've brought to this moment. Mm -hmm. And if they've chosen all the wrong things, they're going to be sick inside. They're going to be upset. They're going to be sad. But for you and I to walk up and put your arm around somebody or touch, a simple touch will change someone that quickly. Just like you said, our first hug. And it's like, oh, (laughs) this is what pure, unadulterated love looks like. It's not for any reason. It wasn't to say, oh, she's really nice. It was to love, to give it away. Mm. So That's awesome. I think another good example of pure, unalterated love is giving, or like childlike love. Mm-hmm. It's like when they, when they have like that new toy or something, you just see that, you know, that little. It's one thing that you always notice with like four-year-olds is that they don't hate anybody. They, they could have like a murderer in there or being like holding them and they would perfectly be fine. They'd be happy and they would just act like they're any other person. I mean, that might be blissful ignorance, <laughs> but at the same time, it's something that's like, it's it's a cute concept where it doesn't matter what the other person's beliefs are. It doesn't matter their race, religion, sexuality, anything. A child, he loves like anybody. And yeah, Jesus proved your point when he had all the little children come to him and said like, yeah, be like these guys and girls. Yeah, that would be the encouragement. Um, if you could go and read Sermon on the Mount, everybody who's listening, anybody, um, Matthew 5, just take yourself into that place. We went to a church over in um, Lafayette last week, and the pastor had everybody close their eyes, and he said, picture this man walking up in his robe and sitting down on a rock, and then he read to us. He had memorized it. He didn't even read it. Oh, nice. And he walked up and down the aisles. And I can tell you, it brought me to tears to think about those words that Jesus would say to us. That's awesome. Well, should we hop into some Q&A here? We're uh, yeah, how much time we got. Um, we can start with the first question. Megan reacted to a TikTok. So this kind of goes along, Johnny, you can read it, but this kind of goes along to, I guess, living a godly life and to what capacity you are capable of living a godly life. Jenny, if you want to go Can you submit your life 100% to God? What about Paul or Billy Graham? <laughs> so just for the context of this question, she asked this, we had like a TikTok that was talking about how we don't think it's possible to 100% live for Christ all the time. Not on earth. Yeah, that's what we said. Yeah. So she, that was one of the comments we got, and I guess we want to kind of break that down. You can get more. pretty close, like Nano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nana. So like... <coughs> What would you say you're living your life 100% for Christ? Or what, what, what's your thought on that? Well, it seems like it would be prideful to say yes, but, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, that's really where I want to live. and That's where you want to live? or Where I attempt to live okay. every day, every So you're not moment. fully 100% always doing it? No, and okay. the yeah. quiet times you talk about, putting that time first, making that time, it's failed for me lately. I have 178 journals downstairs on my shelf that you guys can go down and pull out and go, what was she like then? And what was, what was God saying? And lately, I mean, I have these journals, but they're not very focused. They're not listening to him. But when I do, it puts a smile on my face and knows that I know that I'm in his presence and he's going, it's okay. As Catholics, we could only go to confession once a week. That was another reason I got kicked out. I said, hey, with, we can go to God every day. The moment I do it, I can say I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. There's a verse in Psalms or Proverbs that says if you call someone an idiot or stupid, you can't go to heaven. Well, believe me, I do that under my breath a lot. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean it. I yeah. want to go to heaven. <laughs> I take that back. Throw that one out. But it's just that constant check on how we're acting mm-hmm. and what we're looking like in the world for him. 
you know, and I think the Holy Spirit in us like makes us know mm-hmm. if that's wrong or not. That's true. Um, but to kind of like specifically reply to Megan's question here, um, so even Paul struggled. And I'm not even going to compare Paul to Billy Graham because Paul definitely I think has the, the up on Billy Graham on yep. this one because he kind of wrote half the, like <laughs> half the New Testament. So uh, he was killed for his faith and all this. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> Billy Graham didn't die a martyr. So I find um, this law at work. This is. Um, did I write down which Bible verse this is? I didn't. I'll 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 put it in text. It's in Luke. Um, so I find this no, law not. at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Mm-hmm. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm-hmm. So that that just goes to show Paul struggled too. He didn't. He wasn't one hundred percent. I'm not sure if she meant like, can we be one hundred percent perfect in God's eyes? I don't know. This kind of a hard question, but like, he still had times in his life where he struggled with fully committing it to God. I think, which kind of answers that. Same with Solomon as well. Oh, um, definitely. Oh, yeah. Solomon had some big, the wisest like, man in the world. The wisest man in the world. He had yeah. He was he was super smart, and then. Which I forget which book it is, but he's like so depressed. He's like, I hate myself. I'm so worthless. Stuff like that. Ecclesiastes. Yeah, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think if you looked at the word submit that she actually put in there, I'm not sure, Megan, if you know <laughs> what that word means, but if you looked it up in the Greek or the Hebrew, depending where it was, um, it's hupomeno or hupotasso. I get them mixed up. This but is why we love Nana, because <laughs> she knows Hebrew. <laughs> but it, I don't really. <laughs> but I do know the Strong's Concordance, and I look up a lot of words. But it means to come under. And so people would say, that's a doormat. Well, that's not what it means. When you come under, especially in the Old Testament, if you had a master and you were under him, he took care of every one of your needs. Mm-hmm. He made sure you had everything you needed. And then at the end of your seven years or whatever it was, you had a choice to leave him or to get your ear pierced up against the door with this little thing stuck through it, to be his um, free slave, I think it was called. Free slave. So no longer were you, you know, owned by him, but you still got to live there and you got all the benefits. And I think that's sort of how it is with Christ. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, slavery slavery back then is not to be confused with when you say slavery and you think about, like, the plantation. A better way of putting it is indentured servitude. That's what it was called. It's a certain amount of time that you serve somebody, but it's not like you still have your pretty much all your rights, basically, at least back then. I mean, you still had to do what your master told you to, but at the same time, it wasn't. It I mean, definitely you're you're pretty much like, working for him. It was pretty right, much like exactly. being a butler. Yeah. It's not like the 1800s slavery yeah. mm-hmm. that we know today. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we answered that one pretty good. Um, John, <laughs> good you wanna, okay, I'll explain this one. one. Yeah, go ahead. So somebody kind of was. It's definitely an atheist. This guy will never see this. I'm not I'm just going to say this flat out. But I guy pray named, that he would. So. Well, I hope that he does, but I, I doubt it. I don't think. You can you can tell him in the comment we talk about in the next episode. Oh, sure. He wants yeah. to listen to it. I'll do that. Um, but yeah, this guy's first name's Jacob from Instagram. And he says, how do you know that Christianity is the correct religion and not like Islam, Buddhism, or even Scientology, let's say. Um, and so I decided... <laughs> 
Okay. Uh-oh. There's a lot of stuff here. Uh-oh. <laughs> the first thing I decided to do was basically I said, okay, let's first of all go outside of the Bible. Let's prove that Jesus was real outside was, of the was Bible. Was this where you were bored on the plane? Yes. This <laughs> yeah, is where I was I can bored on a four-hour plane ride. So this might take a little bit. Um, let's look for evidence outside of the Bible when it comes to Jesus, that he actually existed, and that he wasn't just some made-up fictional character made up by a bunch of people who wanted to create a book. Um, so this guy's name, I'm not going to say his full name. It's really long. Um, but his last name is Tacitus, I believe. Mm-hmm. And basically, he was a historian. Or sorry. You mean Cornelius? Yeah, Cornelius. Or sorry, <laughs> Publius Cornelius Tacitus. But his last <laughs> name is Tacitus. I'm just going to call him Tacitus. It's the easiest one to say besides mm-hmm. Cornelius. But <laughs> I'm not going to call him by his middle name. Yeah, no, let's call him Cornelius. No. <laughs> I love so Cornelius. So anyway, Tacitus was... Um, regarded as one of the greatest Roman historians by modern scholars. He was a politician as well as a writer, and he kind of was more towards the end of the fall of Rome. And during this time, what had happened was that Christians were burning down parts of Rome. (laughs) And so when they went to go blame or when he went to go blame them to the public, he started talking about them in which he said, quote, these people were called Christians by the populace. Christus, or Christus, whatever, I don't really care. It's Latin for Christ. Um, From whom the name had its origin suffered the extreme penalty. So in this, this is the number one piece of evidence that people use outside the Bible, as far as I'm aware. And what they say is, is that basically... He describes Christ as a person, right? And with that, he decides that, um, or he explains that Christ suffered the extreme penalty, which mm-hmm. back then was crucifixion. And so that's at least what the historians allude to. Um, and then there's another one. This guy was early 2nd century, so about 100, one, or no, he was born in 125 A.D., um, and so he was an ancient Greek pamphleter, philosopher, whatever you want to call him. And he would basically, anyone who didn't believe in Greek stuff, he would be sarcastic about them. And he would, th- that's why a lot of the times his works are, or all of the evidence we have from him is actually from him. But a lot of the time his works are hard to understand because they're so satirical. And he will just write about anything. So anyway, um, he said here, the Christians worship a man to this day, the distinguished personage who n- ooh, who introduced their novel rites and was crucified on that account. It was impressed on them by the original lawgiver that they are all brothers, and from the moment they are converted and deny all the gods of Greece and worship the crucified sage and live after his laws. So it, it basically says... Uh, that Christ is someone who was a real person. He was crucified. Uh, I'll go into what the Islamic people believe about this later, but the evidence points to the fact that Christ was a real person. Yeah, and that's, that's a pretty solid fact yeah. that even unbelievers and A lot of people, people acknowledge really that. that. And then I'll get into what it says later with Islam and how they deny that. But, um, yeah, basically what they say is so he existed and therefore a lot of the things that by the way if we had Christ today in the same situation in like a, a court of law if we were to go into a court of law and there was s- like five written accounts thousands of eyewitness testimonies um you would have to say well this obviously happened mm-hmm. like if you were to go into a court of law with the amount of evidence for Jesus's existence and the things that he did 
there would be no going against it. Even Pharisees who hated him acknowledged some of his miracles and just said that he did it through, you know, uh, I forget through the exact Satan. name, but yeah, Satan I'm basically. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's that's the point. Jesus existed. The evidence points to the fact that he existed and that he did all these things and that he was crucified and then resurrected. Yeah, I'm not sure if you, sorry, if you like point to this anywhere else in here, but also like the Dead Sea Scrolls and everything. Oh yeah, that too. I mean, that more just proves the Bible as well. Yeah. But I, that we're not saying that that proves Christianity as a religion. That just proves that God exists because like, like Jews believe he was a prophet. Islam believes he was like every, uh, most people understand that he was a real person that walked on this mm-hmm. earth. Well, so that's just the first point in this process. Yeah, so. but you've got to go to the evidence of it, which yeah. the evidence points that this happened and that there have been multiple written witnesses, multiple eyewitnesses, like thousands upon thousands of eyewitnesses. Anyway, so I'm going to go into their next question. Why not Buddhism? Well, I don't even consider Buddhism to be a real religion because they don't believe in a god and they don't care about the creation of the universe. They haven't, they just don't, think about that at all well um if you go in like more of the backstory of buddha it's been a while but i learned about like the origin of buddhism i'm pretty sure it was just literally a prince who was just a nice guy and he went outside and he like gave a homeless person food or something no, and that's well, like what the so entire thing is based the book off siddhartha of. yeah something like that yeah so with buddhism a lot of the time what happened was is he tried to end suffering and it was actually pretty funny because the way that Buddhists try to end suffering is pretty similar to the way that Christians do, which is they like to say give up your cravings, which we like to say give up your earthly flesh and things like that so that way you can focus on God. But yeah, Buddhism is actually a lot more similar to Christianity than a lot of people think. They just don't believe in a specific God. They still believe in the supernatural. It's kind of an iffy thing there. Um but yeah, I don't really consider Buddhism to be a religion, rather more of a lifestyle with a set of spiritual beliefs. But that's kind of, that's just my personal opinion on it. If someone gets offended at that, I'm sorry. Um, you know, Christianity is like the only religion that actually gets challenged to a scientific level yeah. that I've seen as well. All the other religions are like, oh yeah, that's fine if you believe that. I mean, it's obvious that we can't. So why not Islam? That's another question. And the reason I go into this is because Islam is basically the rejection of Christianity. Islam came. Does someone want to tell us, uh, like, how Islam came to be? Maybe Pam, you want to talk about, like, really the whole Jacob. But I always sort of thought it. Allah and God were the same person. Mm-hmm. And one year, God showed me, literally said, "Pam, do you really think that if that were me, that I'd be teaching my people what Allah is teaching them?" They do stem from the the same um, because they believe in Father Abraham, and it's true because that's another proof of the Bible. It is an Abrahamic religion. um, Because what happened is uh, Abraham was given the prophecy that he would have nations upon nations and uh, more like offspring than stars in the sky. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't believe it at first because he was really old. (laughs) So... And and neither did his wife Sarah. So Sarah was like well, here. I guess he kind of believed it, but then his wife oh, yeah, well, laughed at yeah, it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah was like. Yeah, really. I'm this, this is old. this is really funny. Um, <laughs> you can have it's my servant drama. girl, Ishtar, mm-hmm. and no. Ishtar. What's her name? Ishtar. No. Um, I'll think of it. Go ahead. Anyway, so he gave or she gave him uh, the servant girl. He slept with her, and they had a child named. Ishmael, right? Yeah. yeah. And then Ishmael uh, grew up, and then eventually, I don't know how many years later it was, but then uh, Abraham and Sarah did eventually have a child, and that was Jacob. 
Oh, Hagar. Hagar was her name, not Ishtar. I don't know what I'm meaning. Hagar was the name of the servant girl that bore Ishmael. And then um, he became the father of Islam. Well, pretty much what happened is... tribes. Uh, why did why do you have to kick her out? Um, like, they Sarah Sarah was jealous mm-hmm. um, of of Jacob. Was it Jacob? No. Well, she basically, she got she got upset and said, "You know, look like, at this." Like that's 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 yeah. my that's my son. Yeah. Th- and Ishtar is not my son, so she kicked Ishmael. Hagar and Ishmael out. Okay, and then they started Islam pretty much. Thank you Not for that started, backstory. But like, that's where it came from. Well, yeah, Islam came out around the sixth century, kind of. I think I confused more people than Four. I clarified, but that's okay. <laughs> It'll make them go read it in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You go go read it, it in yourself. Four to five hundred years after Jesus had come down and you know was crucified on the cross, um, Islam basically believes that you cannot worship a man. Like Jesus was a man, but he was also God, is what we believe. And so they go, you can't do that. God is a transcendent being. He transcends reality and earth and the universe, all that. So it can't be that that he's a human, which is why there's actually no pictures of uh, Muhammad, the prophet, um, because they were f- they were afraid that people would worship Muhammad instead of God. And so... The one thing that I have to say about Islam is that in the Quran, um, it states, Surah 5, verse 68, it says, People of the Bible, the good book, whatever you want to call it, do what you are called to do by your Lord. So it acknowledges that Jesus is the Lord. Doesn't it say to go read the Bible? Yes, it says to read the Bible (laughs) and do that. Because what it says, and then it says, and then try to spread your word because we know it's controversial. But if you look at it, even in the context, it's saying, go read the Bible. You have no grounds of argument until you read the Bible and you can argue with us then. But the thing is is that that's basically saying that the Quran is telling people to read the Bible, which is quite an ironic thing because if the Bible is wrong, then the Quran has to be wrong. If Christianity is incorrect, then there's no way that the Quran can stand. Because if we were to say, oh, go do or go read this book, and then that book was incorrect in Christianity, the Bible would then be considered wrong. I'm not sure why the Quran recommends it, if it's because it thinks it's true or because it, they think they had good morals or something. So I can't really speak on that. But Yeah, it's not 100%. I think it says, like, yeah, it says, um, I'll, I'll read the exact quote from verse 68. It says, people of the book... You have no ground for argument until you follow the Torah and the gospel and what has been revealed to you by your Lord. Mm. So it acknowledges the truth of the Bible and says that because if you didn't believe that it was true, why would you tell people to read it? Yeah. It wouldn't make any sense. Do you know where their hatred for Christianity stems from then? Um, I think it's mostly because we still worship a man. Well, a man. He's also Well, it probably still roots back to that original story of that original conflict yeah probably um but but um so yeah then i go to scientology before you do that since you mentioned torah right there Mm -hmm. i looked that word up before today because i wanted to make sure that we could clarify what that is because most um, people believe it's the first five books of the bible yeah which in the definitions you'll see that Mm -hmm. but if you look at it in hebrew and you go back to the original it means all of the teachings it means whatever's presented so it's actually everything that God has taught us. So the entire Bible then? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But so non-Messianic Jews think it's, it's only the Old Testament, Five right? Books, yeah. Okay. Little bit of an issue with Scientology. Um, I don't think it's a religion either. 
That's that's just something that I because personally it's not. <laughs> well, the reason I don't think it's a religion, the main reason, is because Scientologists self-proclaim the fact that they think that there can be Christians and Buddhas who are also Scientologists. So you can't serve two gods at once. Obviously, you can't. I mean, they obviously don't believe that, but it's kind of a religious cult, is mm-hmm. kind of how you put it. But Scientology is the belief in an immortal spirit trapped inside of a mortal body. Which is such a funny predicament to me. So, like reincarnation, pretty much. Kind like, of. They yes, believe they the believe that goes on once they believe die? that a, it's called the theatin is the uh, is the spirit inside of them. They believe that it has has had innumerable past lives, some on alien planets and colonies, and they said that. It's such a wacky. I, haven't <laughs> I know, I know. I like, watched one YouTube video. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty. Cool. <laughs> but sometimes I worry, like Christian, like people that like have questions about Christianity will watch videos like that, just like a five minute thing on yeah. what Christianity is, and think it's like as weird as we think Scientology is weird. It might be, but but um, yeah, it might happen. But so Scientology is self described as quote a religion to help people use scientific approaches to self actualize their full potential. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a religion. I thought it was just like a, a belief they, system. They like have. to say it's a religion. I don't really believe it. Um, I think it's in the same way as Satanism isn't a religion either. It's just a cult. Yeah. But um, so Scientology, it's a confusing one. I am actually from the world capital of Scientology, Clearwater, <laughs> Florida, which is really sad because <laughs> it wasn't like that 20 years ago. But yeah, you'll see people, they won't ha- they had given up their cars for like, couple of months and like they have to give everything they own to the church of scientology for a couple of months at least and then you'll see them walking around in their little like sweater vest suits things it's weird (laughs) it's weird don't we have a church Um, of scientology right up there yeah we do well church of christian science is what they call it i'm not sure is that scientology oh it's a little bit different marietti baker you'd have to look that one up that's good well at least it's not scientology but yeah i think they were using scientology as more of an exaggerative term like Mm -hmm. trying to prove a far point um but yeah scientology is a religion i will never take seriously my my dream guest for this podcast besides nana would be someone who has almost like tried all these religions and then like like fully tried to commit themselves to it and then through actual experience and kind of thought thinking through it realizing why that religion doesn't work and why it's not true and then finding christianity and then showing why that one is the true Mm -hmm. so if that's you Yes, you. You may join the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just a lot of I. Sorry, I did have a four-hour plane ride in which I looked into a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I, I can tell. I don't, <laughs> I don't like a lot of because I always get that question as soon as I became a Christian, coming from an atheist family. Why is your religion right, Pam? How would you answer that? I don't know. How would you answer that? Well, I think that's a big one because that's every. The book that your dad had me look at right before um, this morning, before I came. Mm-hmm. But looking at that and knowing that you can look into all of this, the only way that your heart's going to be changed is by the Holy Spirit. So if you're looking for truth, it's going to be the Holy Spirit that brings that to bear. But people like you, who are very intelligent, intellectual, want to look into this stuff. I have a minor in theology, by the way, but I got it because of the university I was at. That's what you had to do. I could have cared less then. I wish I were in this position I'm in now then because I would have dug in way deeper to really understand it. Um, but I think that, you know, for it to be, there's no God that has pursued, they can have any gods they want, 
but that has pursued us, who's come after us. He knew us before we were born. He wants us to be with him for eternity. Imagine being loved that much and that he would die. He's the only one who has come back. Mm -hmm. And And it's the only religion that you're saved through grace and not through your works. Because all these other, like, I'm not sure about Scientology and all these ones that we might not even be religions. But anyways, like, through Islam and through Buddhism, it's like all become, you have to work on yourself to be that good enough person to acquire that next level of life or whatever it is. But with Christianity, it's through God's love and forgiveness and grace that you are saved. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think, sorry, Jonah, um, one of the main things that, that I also read this week was about repentance. Mm-hmm. And Romans 2, 4 says it's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance unto salvation. And we often leave out the repentance part. That's a big, big part of it. To really be wanting to change your life, the word repent means to turn like 180, go the other direction. So to look at those things that really are wrong in your life and to want to change them, and then when you do that, it leads you to salvation. You get baptized, and when you do that, you get the Holy Spirit. So Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a grouping in there of it of, you know, yeah, you accept Jesus. Obviously, if it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you get Holy Spirit. But that filling and that understanding comes from pressing in and really wanting truth, and the Holy Spirit will give it to you. That's awesome. I would really love to have, like, a a Muslim on the podcast to see, like, what really grounds them in, like, that belief, and especially, like, the radicals who are Okay, I can explain that when I have to go over that. Good idea. I know know what they said about Jesus' resurrection. Do you want to know what they believe? They believed that Jesus was substituted for another person and that Jesus never died. Ooh, like pretty, today in the world. It's a pretty <laughs> radical. Uh, so they just switched them out? Yeah, they believed that <laughs> someone else went in Jesus' place, and then when they died, Jesus was hiding for a couple mm. of days, and then he decided to pop out, hey, I resurrected myself. Well, and that, <laughs> that's part of it it's was that the guys that were there witnessing it mm-hmm. were told to lie afterwards. That, you know, it's like he wasn't really there. They came, the His believers came and rolled the rock away at night and took his body. Mm-hmm. That's all part of some of that testimony of their lies. Yeah to protect themselves yeah going back to like having a muslim i like i just i just want to know like what is the grounding factor that like makes them believe that strongly in that because like in christianity and stuff you know like you have like god moving your life and whatnot but i I would i would just love to know what it is for like a muslim i think a lot of it's probably culture and like just well yeah yeah probably culture in the middle east brought up yeah but back to what you said the reason that um jesus had to be god and this is a battle people fight all the time you have to remember that 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 sacrifice had to be a pure, spotless lamb. Mm-hmm. And the Bible's very clear. No man was born without sin. None of us, no man, no woman, was born without sin. He's the only one. And yes, he was tempted like all of us have been tempted, but he never fell. He never sinned. And all these people out there will say, oh, he messed around with Mary Magdalene or he, you know, that he mm-hmm. was married, that he had a kid. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff yeah, out yeah. there. So, you know, when you look at that and you know the purity of who this God is and where is Jesus right now? You want to say to that? He's, Heaven. Yeah, go ahead. Where is he? Yeah. <laughs> On the right hand of the Father. Right yeah. hand of the Father. Yeah. So he's there when people say, oh, I accepted Jesus and I've got him in my heart. Well, in a sense, that's true, but it's not Jesus. It's Holy Spirit. And with it being Holy Spirit, we have all of But it's kind of like the same thing because it's the Trinity. That's right. That's in right. my mind, the Holy Spirit is kind of like the communication between, like imagine your phone and then Snapchat with the little I can go over thing on how it. I like kind of see communication it. and then you can. But it might take a little bit. Well, fi- wait, let finish that. The communication then. It's kind of a funny analogy. It's just like the Holy Spirit is your bridge to talking with God and kind of him like responding in a way mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. 
and then God and Jesus obviously are you know father and son. I don't think we have time for any more of these questions. Yeah, we can do one or two more. We can do one or two more. Um, so I say we do the Dominic one. Would any of you guys like to read it or I can read it? Dominic via TikTok. What are your thoughts on if you accept God, abandon him, and then turn back to him later in life? Read the prodigal son story. (laughs) (laughs) He'll accept you with open arms. And then what Kyle said earlier this morning in Bible study as well, right? He said, if you abandon him, like, did you ever truly believe believe in him? Yeah, Yeah, Kyle and I were kind of agreeing on that. But I I remember it was episode 14, the first one that Luke wasn't on. And uh, I was telling the story that over X said, Basically, what happened was is God was speaking to me, and he said, pick up this rock, and so I did. And he said, now drop it. And I was at the top of like a 500, or yeah, about two to 500 feet. I don't really, I wasn't thinking about that. (laughs) That was a big gap difference there, Wolfgang. I wasn't thinking about (laughs) it. It was high up. (laughs) Yeah, it was was high up to where there was rocks, and or there's other rocks and bushes and trees. This rock should have never made it to the bottom of that hill but it did after i just simply dropped it and it went all the way down and i said why'd you make me do that <laughs> and he said to me if you are to turn away from me and abandon me you'll have to go all the way back down that hill in order to get me again but i will never leave you if you keep me in your hand or your heart and i that's that's something that stuck out to me because if that's you cool. abandon god you're gonna have to start all the way back over you can't just be like, all right, I was at a great relationship with him, but I, I didn't want him anymore. But now I'm back a couple years later, and I'm, I'm right where I left off. It's almost Doesn't like binging a show, leaving the show, and then forgetting everything and coming back thinking that you can start on the same episode. Yeah, that's a great example, yeah. And, yeah, so it's just make sure that you don't abandon God because if you abandon God, you're going to have to start all over with him. you got to go through the the beginner stage and then keep going. I, I remember there's something here this morning. I think it might be this actually right here. You can do, you pull mind, it out. do you mind if I pull it out? Yeah, there it is. It go, It says deadness and then you go f- to salvation and repentance and then it goes indwelling and then sanctifying and then empowering. So there's four stages that this describes right here to discipleship, something we have at the church. It was in the back of the uh, the seats this morning and I read through it while the sermon was going on. But yeah, it's it's something that God wants to be with you, and he never wants to leave you. But if you let him go, he's going to go. I, honestly, another thing I think is, like, I don't know how hard it is to reject God, but I, I, I feel like it would be pretty hard to just completely abandon him. Um, for, like, me, what I'm thinking of right now is, like, the story of Jonah. Like, he tried running from God, and God was like, nah, bro, you, <laughs> you're going to Nineveh, and he put him in a fish. So, um, I... I don't know, but I feel like it's pretty hard to just fully drop God and everything. Yeah. I went to a Catholic university, and when I was 21, I spent the summer in Europe, and I went over with some other friends. We had jobs there, and so we parted once we got there. But I can remember meeting up with them, and they were telling me some of the stuff they were doing. And I was like, they're like, well, we're away from everybody and everyone that knows us. And I'm like, what are you thinking? God's Mm -hmm. watching every move you're making. They were talking about sexual relations, drinking, just all the stuff they were doing. And I was like, you're not on your own. This guy is watching you (laughs) and you have to make up for all of that. Um, Anyway, it was, it was an eye opener for me trying to be the good girl. that I. Yeah. There's that saying like, you know, the true or like the real you is who you are when no one's watching, but someone's always watching. So yeah, (laughs) that you really, that's it. And that you always want your insides and outsides to match. 
And I think I got told you guys before, God said to me when we got to live in Hawaii, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, don't say anything that I'm not telling you. Mm-hmm. So if we're not spending time with him and waiting on that, sometimes neither way is bad, but one's going to be better than the other. But if you're not listening, you know, so. And yeah, the story of the prodigal son really just <laughs> puts this in a great way, I think. Go like, read it. What, yeah. what verse was I saying? I don't know. but okay. just, It's a parable it's, it's that Jesus told. Just look up where prodigal son's yeah. story is. All right, perfect. Um, do we want to answer this last but question? Remember, mm-hmm. before you go on, the prodigal son's story. The son who was not the one who came back was really ticked off. And there's a whole other story of this other person. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to just look at the prodigal son who was welcomed back and spoiled. And that was all beautiful. And it's so merciful of God. But the other son was really angry because he didn't feel like he was getting enough. Yeah. Because so. yeah, he never abandoned him. He always right. did his father's work. He did right. everything. But he didn't get a huge party when he came back. I think it also relates back to the story or the parable where Jesus is telling um, he hires a guy or a, a master hires a man mm-hmm. to work his fields for like, I'll just say $20 for the whole day. I don't know what their currency was. And then at midday, he goes up to another guy. He's like, hey, for the rest of the day, work these fields for $20, $20 an hour. And the first guy thinks, wow, that's kind of unfair. I got $20. I've been here since 8 a.m. or whatever. And then the day goes progressively on. And then he keeps hiring people for $20 to do like the same work for like one hour. And like there's probably one hour left in the day. And he hires the very last guy for $20 to do one hour's worth of work. And the first guy that got there is like, yo, what the heck? Um, not fair. Not the fair at is, all. Is that, like, is that fair? Be- but the guy agreed. It is. Yeah. I was here, and I'm going to work the rest of the fields for the day for $20. And he thought that was fair, mm-hmm. and it's not up to him well, for that's what, the thing, what is everyone it, else does. It, that shows a lot of the time with fairness and justness. You agreed to to work the fields for that $20. Doesn't matter about those other people. They have, may have been more fortunate than you to not have to work as much for the same amount of money. However, you did agree to that, and that's something that you have to fulfill. But I do 100% agree with the guy who was working the fields. I would have been <laughs> yeah, so mad. It's normal. Exactly. So that's the concept of fairness, and it's something that even sometimes we struggle with. Because I looked at that story, and I was like, hmm, well, who's in the right here? Because yeah. you. I mean, but the whole thing is it really ultimately is about the character of God, Mm -hmm. his generosity, his love, what he's going to do. And if all of those people, all of us know him, will go, wow, he gave me what he promised, but he gave this guy who wasn't going to make anything the same amount. Great for God, you know, but that's not how we look at it. It's always from our own. Unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Do we want to do this last one? I think we're running. We're like one, like one fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Gonna leave him with one All last right. message. <laughs> we'll have, we have yeah. two more questions already okay. saved up, but any last three, words, actually. Nana? I just want everybody to know, all of us, everybody who's listening, everybody who will listen, <clears throat> how very much God loves you. And if you can't start there, and if you don't know Him, when I say God loves you, you're like, well, who the heck is He? That's a valid question. But go after Him because He wants to be known by us. And the word actually in Hebrew is a very intimate, like in marriage, intimacy. Mm-hmm. That sounds gross when you think about that with God. But he wants us to so know him that we really know him. And you can't obey someone if you don't know who they are. And you can't obey them if you don't know what those commands are. And like any father, it says a father will discipline his son. He's giving us these things so we have a better life. He's not being harsh on us. Mm-hmm. He wants us to have the best. And that's eternity, ultimately. And if you do already know Jesus, just... Pursue that lifestyle and the way of living that would make him proud. I just want to add on one last thing to what Nana said is that 
Yeah. Um, you cannot love somebody who you don't know and you don't understand. That's that's what I was going to nice. say. Yeah. Well, with that said, uh, go follow us on Instagram, TikTok, all the platforms. They'll be linked below. Buy some merch, send us some mail, do whatever you want. And, and uh, uh, thank you, Nana, so much for joining us today yeah. and blessing us with thank your you presence. So it was an thank honor. You again. Thank you. <laughs> you guys spoil me. Revolutionary. Yes.